Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 152 of the podcast that was originally recorded on March 15th of 2017. Some of the games I talked about this week, Quest of Valeria, aka Lords of Waterdeep, the card game, Yokohama, some Catacombs, a dexterity style game. Yes, I think only the second time I've talked about a dexterity game on this podcast. Some Disc Jam, a game on my PlayStation 4, and I also talked about a few of the games that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to episode 152 of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. I apologize for being a couple of days late with the release of this one. I have been busy playing several games, but I just have not had a chance to sit down and actually do a recording and then edit it and get it uploaded. So we're going to try to knock one of the podcasts out this evening and then probably do another one here in a couple of days. So some of the stuff that I played in the past week, week and a half, I'm kind of going to break up into the next two episodes, this one, and then episode 153. So they may be a little shorter than normal, although the way I like to talk, we'll see how actually short this one ends up. As always, you know, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You should also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We do have a guild over there. We are guild number 2440. On Twitter, at what I'm playing now is the name to follow. Our Facebook page, just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus dot google.com slash the plus sign what i'm playing now podcast and then as always our twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what i'm playing now one of the things i was able to do this past weekend which i wasn't actually going to talk about but let's just throw it in here at the beginning of course i always have to start off with the pathfinder card game and while i have mentioned in some previous podcasts i was taking a little break from the pathfinder card game I did go out to Concoction here, which is a small convention here in Cleveland, and I actually ran some of the Pathfinder card game out there on Sunday morning. A group of us got together, and we almost had a full table. We had five people playing there, and one of the guys that normally plays the role-playing game, we sat down and taught him how to play, and I think this was his first time actually playing the card game, so I was kind of excited about that. I always like seeing some of the role-players actually come over and attempt or not attempt, but basically try the actual card game and see what they think about it. I still need to talk to him to see what his thoughts are about the whole thing, which I can talk about later. But we got through one of the scenarios from the Weeby Goblins set that Paizo had released, which was actually a lot of fun. It was really, really crazy because there were there was only one location that the that all of us adventurers were in throughout the whole adventure. And every time you ran into a barrier, and there were a lot of barriers in the deck, because the way you built the deck, they told you a bunch of cards to put in there. You had to double the amount of those cards and then count however many players were at the table and then double that for barriers. So I think there were a good 14 plus barriers in the deck by the time it was all said and done. And every time you actually encountered a barrier, you had to roll a six-sided die on a five or six 
that barrier got reshuffled back into the deck. On a one through four, you actually encountered one of the four different barriers that were actually that had actually come with the scenario kit, which I had not cut out at first. So I was busy with scissors while we were sitting around the table and cutting those out and then sleeving them real quick, just so everybody could kind of pass them around the table and see what they were having to encounter. It was a crazy, crazy, crazy ass scenario, but we all had a lot of fun playing it. Everybody survived. Everybody lived. We actually succeeded. And I believe some of the players at the table will, which were actually people from my normal Sunday group, are probably going to be continuing this with the Sunday group. I believe that is still going to be going on down at Recess Games there in North Olmsted. So if you're actually looking to play some Pathfinder card game, we normally met up on the first and third Sundays of the month. I will let everybody know if that schedule actually is changing. Because, well, that schedule may change. My game of choice has currently changed. So, like I said before, I'm going to be taking a little break from the Pathfinder card game. And I'm moving over to the Arkham Horror Living Card Game, which we had played a couple of weeks ago. And this coming Sunday, we actually have the second meetup for the Arkham Files Investigators of Cleveland, which we will be playing some more Arkham Files Living Card Game. We're going to probably play this throughout the month of... March here, and then probably into April. Come May, we may see where we're at with some of the scenarios, and I have had a request to actually play some Mansions of Madness from some of the players from my Pathfinder group. They're really interested in that. So I wanted to give the card game a chance to possibly take off, and depending on the number of people we have playing and where we're at with scenarios, in April or May, I'm thinking possibly more in May, we may jump over to Mansions of Madness and actually play some Mansions of Madness. So I'll talk about that more in the podcast as some of the time frames for some of this stuff gets a little more solidified and we actually pick out some dates for that. But this coming Sunday, which is going to be March, I think 19th, is it? Yes, March 19th. Arkham Files Investigators of Cleveland. I'm going to be posting on the Facebook group that I've created. If you're looking for people to play with around the Northeast Ohio area, come on down to Recess where it's the game store is in North Homestead. I will be bringing my set of Arkham File Living Card games, and we're going to just try to see if we can play through some more scenarios. Last time we played through one scenario after I taught one of the players from my Pathfinder group how to play, and I'm hoping we actually get some more people to show up this time. But if not, we will play with whoever is there and have a great time with that card game. All right, let's jump into a few of the things that I've played for this past week. One of the things that had come in the past couple of weeks from Kickstarter was Quests of Valeria from Daily Magic Games. So if you've never played any of the Valeria games, this is, I believe, the third game in their Valeria trilogy. I don't know. I don't want to say trilogy because I'm sure they're going to have more coming out, but in their Valeria world that they have created. And Quests of Valeria in... The way I've kind of described it to a couple of people, it's almost similar to uh, Lords of Waterdeep, kind of like the card game. So if you're familiar with Lords of Waterdeep, and if you enjoy that, and my wife really enjoys Lords of Waterdeep, she had a great time with Quest of Larry. After we played it once, she said, let's play again. After we played it the second time, she looked at me and she goes, you may actually want to sleeve those because this one may be getting to the table more than some of the other games. So right then and there, I kind of knew, we had a winner on our hands, so as you can tell from what I'm talking about, the game's actually really good. I've played with both two people, both my wife and I have played to get, played the game, and we thought it was very well. And then we played uh, last week down at the game store, and I believe we had a full table of five playing, 
and it scaled up very well. The game did take a little bit longer playing as five. I think some people, they would probably say they probably cap it out at around four. It does play good at five. There's a little bit of downtime in between uh, play, mainly because, well, you're not necessarily always having something happen to you when it is not your turn. There are times where people may play cards like the Thief card, the Assassin card, where they're actually going to take a card from you, maybe remove a card from your tableau that you kind of have in front of you. So there is going to be a little bit of player action within this game and a little bit of take that, but it's there. there's not a lot of that. It's I, I, I will say it's kind of limited, so don't think that this is going to be a game where you're constantly attacking each other, you're constantly doing anything like that. It definitely isn't that type of game. There is a little bit of that in there, so if you don't like that in your games, you may not prefer that part of the game, but I will say the rest of the game really makes up for it. So like I said, it kind of plays like Lords of Waterdeep, the card game. So let's kind of go over how setup goes for the game and then what a little bit of the game flow goes and then we could talk a little bit more about what I think about the game afterwards. So during setup, everybody's going to get one guild master and you're going to give a player aid to everybody. The guild master is going to be utilized for end game scoring. Everybody's going to read their guild master and they're going to probably have some sort of action or some something that they're going to be doing at the end of the game to acquire victory points. So you could be collecting two certain types of quests for each of those quests that you have, you know, for each one, you'll get a victory point. So you'll have to read the card. They're all different. There's various ones in there. Uh, it was kind of funny with the Kickstarter. I got a couple of extra bonus cards that were, um, I believe thrown in as stretch goals and stuff. So I think Rado had a card in there and I think Lance, um, the Viking had, you know, had a, had a card in there. It was kind of funny as we were playing through, but the, the Guildmaster is basically just utilized for endgame scoring. You'll refer, you'll, you can look at him a little bit during the game because you kind of want to know what type of quest you're going to want to take to actually obtain more victory points at the end of the game. But it's really not going to be anything that's going to come into play much while you're playing the game. After that, you're going to set up the little tokens that they have, which have numbers on them, 0, 1, 1, 2, 2, 3. And then there's going to be one that says higher from your hand for two tokens. What these are going to be is this is going to make up the tavern cost of all of the people that you're going to be hiring. There's going to be cards, citizens that are going to be placed underneath each of these tokens. And that is the cost to actually recruit one of those cards into your guild. And that is pretty much the basis of the game and what you're going to be doing. But before you do that, you're going to shuffle up the cards, deal three cards to each player. These three cards will be everybody's starting hand. After that is when you're going to deal the six citizen cards underneath those tokens I had just mentioned. Like I said, that's going to be the cost of those cards to recruit them into your guild. You're going to shuffle the quest cards for... A two-player game, you're only going to put out four cards, so my wife and I did that, but any higher, you're going to put out six quests face up, which are going to be above those tokens. The, the cost tokens is where they're going to go. And then you can use any way that you can randomly figure out a first person to play the game. And we usually use that app Quasi. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I think that's exactly what we did. You're going to hand that person the two action tokens and the first player token, and then the game will begin. So on your turn... What you're going to do, you're going to do two actions, hence the reason why you have those two at one, two action tokens. And the actions you're going to be able to do are draw, hire, reserve, or quest. 
As you can guess, if you were to take a draw action, you will draw one citizen card from the deck and put it into your hand. After you do any action, you're supposed to take the tile that has the one on there for your action, pass that to the player on your left, so then you know you actually have one action left to do. Anytime you interact with the cards that are on the table, besides doing the draw, um, when you do the higher action, you're going to discard cards from your guild or hand to add that citizen from the tavern row, which are underneath that 01122, um, into your guild. When you do that, the cards on the bottom of them will have different actions that you can take. So that's the reason why you really want to pay attention to handing those tokens off, like the one and the two, off to the other players on the table so you know where you're at with your two actions. Because as you're going through the game, you're going to try to chain a bunch of different actions together by interacting with all of the different cards that you can. And that is where you're going to get a lot of advancements to be able to buy the quest cards. And that is the main part of the game, buying those quest cards for victory points at the end of the game. Because victory points, as always, are the name of the game and the path to victory. So you can draw higher. You can also do a reserve action. A reserve action is going to be taking a quest and putting that quest into your guild area in front of you. If you don't like the quests that are on the table, you can trash all of those into the quest discard pile. You can flip over four or six more, depending on the number of players that you have, and then draw one from there. That's a reserve action. After that, you can complete a quest action if you have any more actions available to you. Completing a quest action is going to be discarding the required citizens from your guild to complete an active or a reserved quest. The active quests are going to be the quests that are above that line of cards where they are in the middle of the table, and anybody can complete those one of those quests at any time during the game on their turn as long as they have an action available to them to spend to complete the quest. Or you can complete one of the quests that you've actually reserved. You can only have one reserved quest at a time. If you want to take another reserved quest, or if you want to reserve another quest, you basically have to discard the one that is currently in front of you before you do that. So there were a couple other questions we ran into that we had looked up on BoardGameGeek. And one of the questions we ran into is, are all of the extra actions that the cards will give you, like when you do a recruit action, you could have two, like a D and an R on there, which could be a draw and then a reserve action. Or you could have two Ds on there for two draw actions. And we were kind of tossing around the ideas, you know, the way my wife and I played it, we played it to where you do not have to take those actions. They are optional. A couple of people at the table wanted to say that they wanted to actually make people take those actions. And if you got a reserve action and you had a card already reserved in front of you, you needed to discard that one and then take another quest. And I jumped onto my phone real quick, looked on Board Game Geek, and I believe it was the designer. I think it was Isaac Vileos. He actually said those actions are optional. So do remember that because I don't think that's really spelled out too well in the manual as we were reading it. It it kind of hints that you don't have to, but it doesn't really state it. So he actually said that in the in the forums on Board Game Geek for this one. I'm sure if you've played this game, you'll hopefully have looked out there and were able to find this because I was able to find it really easily. But um, just in case if anybody does have that question, those are optional to take. 
and that is very good to know. So after you've done your two actions and you've passed the two tokens off to the player, you can do any bonus actions, etc. And then your end phase, you're going to refill any citizens from the tavern. You're going to move all the citizens down and compress them from right to left and then draw any more out. So the one that you put out on the table will be the most expensive one. And then you can refill any quests that have been taken. And then it will be the next person's turn. That's pretty much the gist of kind of the whole game. So in essence, what you're doing is you're trying to recruit these players and the and the, the citizen cards have different resources on them. They have different factions that they kind of belong to. And then they have different um, resources on them. Gold, magic, fighting. And you're trying to collect those resources to match the quests that are at the top of the table or the reserved one. And when you finish those, you'll have bonus points for the end of the game. And then you'll also probably get a couple of additional actions that you can take right then and there when completing the quest. We normally just set those quest cards underneath our guild master that we were given at the beginning of the game and just rinse and repeating through the whole thing. Everybody that's played this game so far has really, really had a great time with it. I really enjoyed it. My wife really liked it. Everybody, The five people that we played with down at the recess had a really good time with it. I don't think the game has actually come to retail stores yet. Like I said, I have a Kickstarter copy, so I did get mine a little early, but I think it's supposed to be hitting stores here very shortly. So if you're into the, the Valeria type of games, Quests of Valyria is a different spin utilizing the same cards, the same iconography. If you're familiar with that, it'll be very easy for you to pick up on, very for easy for you to learn. And what I had explained here is pretty much kind of like most of the rules to the game. It's just following the cards and collecting resources, finishing quests, and trying to get the most victory points at the end of the game, which the first game my wife and I had kind of tied which I was really surprised with. And on the on my last turn, I had actually utilized a thief character to her. We had each had two cards in our hand. She had to give me a random card from her hand. So it came down to your tiebreakers are the cards in front of you, which we both had the same number of cards in our guild. And then it comes down to cards in your hand. And for me using the thief, I had one more card than her and I actually won our first game, which doesn't really happen to me too often because when we played our second game, she pretty much annihilated me with my score. It was nowhere near being close to a tie. So I knew right then and there, she understood the game way better the second time and was doing very well at it. So it's probably going to be another game we play quite a bit and another game I lose quite a bit, but I really liked it. So did everybody else. Check out Quest of Valeria. It's a really, really cool card game. After that, we got another game of Yokohama to the table. I know I've talked about this one a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to go into the rules for this one or anything like that. I tried a couple of different strategies this time. Um, one of the first things I tried to do was make sure that I actually got more of my tokens available to be to place them out onto the board so I could have, you know, move around the board a little easier and not have to try to go back and get all of my little square tokens back and make sure my president can move around a lot easier. While that strategy started off working okay for me and I was able to get more tokens to be able to do more things right off the bat, I kind of stalled mid-game. I then started picking it up towards the end where I started finishing a bunch of different church actions and started getting lump sum points. But the problem was I wasn't completing enough of the different quests that are in the game for end game scoring. And that's where everybody kind of just flew by me 
And I will say pretty much a church only strategy with a lot of squares did not work for me. If somebody's got that to work for them, maybe post in the forums and let me know how the hell you did it because I wasn't successful, but I had a great time with Yokohama. Uh, my buddy Eric picked this game up when he was in Japan. I believe it was on Kickstarter as well. I don't think this game is actually coming to retail until May is what it looked like on BoardGameGeek. So I have to wait quite a bit to get a copy of this one for myself, but I cannot wait to get it, my hands on this copy. I know that my wife will love this game. I kind of can't wait to teach this one to her. I like the modularity of the board. Every time you play, you're kind of shuffling up the board tiles, placing them down, and everything is just mixed up and different as far as the paths you have to all the different resources and all the different actions you're able to take. They're always going to be different. The card that are on there are always going to be different as well because there's the cards that go on those tiles are shuffled and are placed randomly as well. So there's a lot of randomness during the setup of the game that makes the replayability of this game just extremely high. And it's a really fun game as well. If you haven't played Yokohama yet, try to find somebody who has it. It's definitely one that you want to get to the table. I can't, I can't say highly enough praises about that one. I really liked it and I'm sure we're going to be playing it again because it seems like it's one of Eric's favorite games right now because he's playing it quite a bit. All right, after that, we got together with some friends over the weekend. And this game that I'm going to talk about is probably something I don't know if I've really talked about too much before. I can only think of one other dexterity style game that I've maybe talked about in the podcast in the past possible couple of years. And I believe that's Ice Cool, the Penguin one, which I, re I really enjoyed. And I'm not too sure if my wife would because I don't know if she's going to like dexterity games or not. But we played a game over the weekend called Catacombs. And this is kind of like a dungeon crawl that's dexterity style based. So the way we played the game is you have one person who's going to be, I guess, kind of like a dungeon master who's controlling all the monsters, who sets up the game board puts the monsters down on the board, has cards set up, which is going to be all the different rooms that you're going to be trying to go through. And on the player's turns, they're going to actually get to put their warriors, I guess you could say, or whoever they have in front of them. I think I was playing as a chicken and the skeleton are the two people that I had. And you're going to be flicking your discs at the enemies and trying to hit them. And when you do, you'll do a point of damage or you can do additional damage if you have any other things on your characters and stuff. Uh, most of the times, I think we were just doing one damage. And I think the most of most of the some of the monsters in the like the second and third room that we ran into had two hit points. Most of them had one. Some of the skeletons only had one at the beginning of the game. But it's a really cool dexterity game. Uh, I kind of liked it. I think the idea of a dungeon crawl dexterity style game is really interesting. Uh, we failed miserably. I think we made it to like about the fourth room, one room before the healing. And we ran into quite a few monsters. Um, I think it was... I can't remember what type of monsters they were, but they, they had regeneration ability to them. I can't remember if they were trolls. I think it might have been trolls that had the regeneration. And, you know, if only one of us was able to hit that and then they did their regeneration action to where they hit us and then got a point of, you know, a hit point back, they flipped over and were still at two hit points. And trying to do two hit points sometimes, two, two points of damage to one monster in a turn, if you just miss slightly with your flicking, is kind of difficult, I will say. So we had a hell of a time trying to get through the rooms. We failed. We died. I still liked it. I kind of like to introduce my wife to a dexterity style game like this, like a flicking game. 
Uh, I'm not really too sure which one I want to choose. I know there's several different ones out there. So if anybody has any suggestions on dexterity style games and maybe a really good one to introduce somebody who's never really, because I don't think my wife's really ever played a dexterity style game like this before, you know, maybe one that we can introduce her to. Um, I'll see about adding something to my collection. I'd like to maybe try something down, definitely down at the game store before I buy something in her basically look at me and say she will never play that thing again. But I, I wouldn't mind actually having one in my collection because I was looking at my collection the other day after I had gotten home, and I don't think I have a dexterity-style game anywhere in my collection at all. So I, I need at least one, so I guess I need to figure out which one that will be. Catacombs I did like. I'm going to try to take a look at some of the other ones and maybe try to play some other ones. Um, Ice Coal was cool too, but it was kind of... I, Ice Coal is just really limited and just that you're trying to just, you know, knock each other out with the penguins. I'd like something that has a little bit more depth to it. I like the whole dungeon crawl, you know, concept and the way you had different rooms and different boards, all the different monsters. There were just so many different tokens in there. It was crazy, but um, Catacombs was a good one, but I would like to take a look at some of the other ones. And, you know, we'll see what we find. And I will talk about that probably in a future podcast. All right. And then one of the last games I actually played was a little game on the PlayStation 4. It's a little game called Disc Jam. And this game is kind of like a take on an older style game from Data East that was back on the Neo Geo back in 1994 called Windjammers. What Disc Jam is, is it's a Frisbee style game where you're throwing and trying to power up this Frisbee and throwing it at your opponent and trying to bounce it off the walls and do different things with it, you know, almost like you would, you know, I, I guess like a handball or something like that where you're just, you know, or like a tennis match without, you know, tennis rackets and a ball, you're just using like a Frisbee and you're trying to just throw it and score, but, you know, score in your goal, which is behind your opponent. And you're, I, I played this game for just a little bit, so I'm, I don't, I'm not going to talk about it too, too much. I'd like to play it a little bit more and then definitely play it against my wife because I think this is going to be a good game that we'll be able to play against each other. The controls, I will say, did have... Does it, there's a little bit of learning curve to some of the controls. I was having trouble getting off some of the different shots and everything. Once I kind of you know, got some of the controls down. I was having a much better time with it. It seems like there is a big online component to this game, but you can play it offline split screen with two players. So that's pretty much how we're going to play it. I doubt if we'll be going online for any of the disc jam competitions or anything that they have out there, but it was a really cool game. It's a nice take on Windjammers. I think Windjammers is actually supposed to be redone for the PlayStation uh, for sometime this year. So I'm kind of surprised that they were actually able to make this game and and put it out now because it is just a complete I don't want to say ripoff but it is just a complete you know representation of what Windjammers is and it's it's a pretty well done one the graphics are pretty good I like when you score the goal and the the frisbee kind of like explodes and the players get all you know just um ragdollish and start flying everywhere that's really funny so disc jam is going to be something i'm going to be playing around with for the next week or so and we'll see how that one goes it was actually the free game on playstation plus this plat this past um or this month so that was one of the reasons why i was able to download it because it was free so i said what the hell why not all right so those are the games i played for the week let's talk about a few things that i want to play Stop Thief was just released on Kickstarter, and of course we played that one several weeks ago. My buddy Dave was able to get into the beta testing phase for that one, so we jumped into that one immediately and played it. Stop Thief, I think, is out on Kickstarter right now. Go check that one out. 
I do have the link in the show notes. It is a really, really great representation from Restoration Games of the Stop Thief game from the, I think the late 70s is when it came out. I can't remember the exact date. But I actually have the original, and I really do need to sit down with my wife and play through a game of the original before we actually get the newer version in. I did kickstart this one through my local game store. Uh, they're getting in some copies, so I asked the owner to definitely set one aside for me as I will definitely be getting it because it looks like what we were using for an app, which I think Dave was telling me was just a big PowerPoint presentation and he had to jump around to all these different pages and links and different sounds, is now a full-blown app which looks so cool. I really can't wait to see this one and get this one played. It looks like they did a really, really nice representation of the actual game board, and some of the pieces look really cool and that they've been upgraded in the cards. So can't wait to see how this one actually comes in from Restoration Games, but I definitely backed it. Then there's another game, Baseball Highlights 2045 Spring Training that just hit Kickstarter. I talked about Baseball Highlights 2045 quite a bit last summer, as we were trying to get a league going in down at the game store, and there were a few of us that came down there, but it seemed that we weren't able to get a big enough play going then to actually get a league going rather than just like four or five of us, you know, that just didn't seem like there were enough people to play against each other for like a whole summer league. So I think we might just do maybe a stripped down tournament, maybe like a two or three week tournament, maybe this year, a couple of us have been talking about doing a couple of different things with this game, because this is the game we really like, but it just doesn't seem that it's hitting the table as, as much as we would kind of like to see it hit the table. Spring training looks like it's going to be actually a great place for people who haven't played the game before to get into the game. It has some redone rules, which are supposed to make the game a little easier to learn. I believe if you already have any of the, the base game or any of the deluxe games, you can just get this game and add it right into it because there are some additional cards in this one that aren't in those sets. So it's it's another expansion for the game. The game has a lot of expansions out there, but it's a lot of fun. And I was talking to my wife, and I think we're going to actually be picking up one of those expansions possibly soon. All right, so that is it for this week. The podcast was actually a little longer than I thought because I just talk a little too damn much. But those are the games I played for the week. Those are the games I want to play. Like I said at the beginning, if you're interested in the Arkham Horror Living Card Game, Arkham Files Investigators of Cleveland, do a search for that on Facebook. Come down and join us. Play some Arkham Horror with us and have a great time trying to stay alive and sane. But other than that, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there. We are guild number 2440. On Twitter, at what I'm playing now is the Twitter name. Our Facebook page is just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. All right, everybody, you know what to do. Go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Thanks for joining me for another week of the podcast. I'll be back this weekend in a few days with another podcast, some more games that I had played this past week. And of course, I'll find a few more things that I want to play. But until then, have a great week, and I will talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.